Dystopia Tonight. Good evening, John. How are you, my friend? On I'm good. Day? How are you? Doing good, man. Doing good. I'm excited. So much has been going on. We've been getting so many incredible guests lately, from comedians to actors, actresses, scientists, astronauts, and yet another amazing musician joining us tonight, man. Hell yeah, man. I'm super pumped. It. You know what I'm starting to realize, though, too? Like, I did this blur thing because my room is, my office is usually kind of a, a mess. And now it's slowly, it doesn't matter anymore. I really should start, like, cleaning up. <laughs> i'm like looking at the blur in the back I'm like yeah it's not fucking hiding uh shit in this place so yeah i should that's my fault no i, I already already leaked on WikiLeaks the uh the real look of your room from oh thank you i appreciate yeah. that yeah and all. how was your weekend man been good man been, we live gigs are going they're up and going and it's crazy Same. i'm going non-stop i feel like thursday friday saturday sunday monday's a monday friday's a monday it's nuts but i have been trying to check us out on the youtube side as we've been growing over there so if anybody's missed any of these previous episodes make sure you take a look on youtube at dystopia tonight or if you want to listen uh, on apple spotify everybody listens to that podcast but right now if you're over there on instagram or you're over on facebook Make your way on over to the Twitch because you're going to want to participate in this one, I think. Sorry, yeah. I always bring it back to letting people know where we're going when you're trying to connect with me, John. Dude, Sorry. it's fine. We know I suck it. More. I just suck at plugging that kind of shit anyway, so it's fine. You do the plug-in stuff. I'll do the nonsense talking. Uh, we have another co-host with us today. we got Joanne Filan coming back for... I'm excited um, about yeah, let's that. let's bring her into the room. Good friend, comedian, hilarious. Hey, there she is. It's hey. me. <laughs> hello, fellow Hi. cat enthusiast. What's up? Yes, of course. Oh my gosh, nothing is up. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm just excited. You know, it's, it's, ugh, you know, comedy. And I don't even, I'm just throwing out words now, I think. <laughs> yeah. Comedy, you know, chairs, sometimes the doorbell. <laughs> uh huh, uh huh. Yep, and that's it. <laughs> that's it, yep. <laughs> I like how you're just here to fill in the gaps of words we may have missed in the yeah, beginning of the episode. Exactly. You're like, hey, exactly. Yeah. Did, did yeah. you mention uh, jackets? No, um, sectional sofas is coming. There you go. Next. <laughs> <laughs> it would be great if you were like a comic with Tourette's. And then we just yeah. had we just had to go with it. That would be fucking amazing. <laughs> of we every just didn't tell anybody. Word that comes out of your mouth. <laughs> just just coming out yeah. with all kinds. Oh of Oh my shit. god! Oops. Early. That'd be hilarious. Um, I'm super excited for our guest that we have on. Huge, huge fan of hers. I've been listening to all her stuff uh, in anticipation uh, to mm -hmm. her being on the show. Um, great solo artist. She's uh, known for uh, Hole as well as the Smashing Pumpkins. But she's just got an amazing career uh, in rock and roll, and I'm super excited to have her on. So let's bring out Melissa Oftemauer. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hello. How are you? Very good. I, <laughs> I um, was falling asleep on the couch with my daughter watching a PBS Neanderthal special, Ooh. and then I looked at the clock, and I, yeah, <laughs> I made an engagement to speak to some strangers on Twitch. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, isn't it isn't it weird like our entire lives are basically please don't talk to strangers and come 2022 we're like can we please talk to some strangers Just, is yes, that possible don't talk to anybody That's so great. I really kind of wish we had a camera in your living room at the time where you just like falling asleep to a PBS special and realizing you had to be here and you're like I really probably should have stayed asleep. <laughs> well there was like curled up cats and everything. Oh, oh, that was yeah. Yeah, it's a deal breaker. Yeah, mm -hmm. you can't move a cat once. I think that's actually against yeah. the law if they no, find out. In our mm -hmm. house, it's called cat privileges. Sorry, can't do anything. I've got <laughs> a cat. And, yeah, 
No. Yeah. Anyway, I have, I've been asked to go out with friends and stuff like that. And if a cat's lying on me, I literally just send them a photo of my cat. And I'm like, I, I can't go. I'm so sorry. They're like, it's my wedding. And I'm like, I know, but <laughs> cat. You're marrying me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm like, oh, am I though? <laughs> I made prior commitments. Um, so we got awesome. cats going. Then we got comedy. What else we have going on here? Cats comedy and Tom does a little bit of everything. John couldn't even tell you what I do. Almost nobody can. It's I usually have the C. We need this another C. Yeah, we do. Cats comedy. <laughs> and I can't tell you what you do. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's a C. She covered it. There we go. Mm -hmm. True. Yeah. So Tom's coming from New York and Staten Island. Joanne's in Joanne and I are in New Jersey. Where are you? Yep. Do you are you allowed to say where you're from or hey, well, I'm from Montreal, Canada, proudly, but I'm uh, in the Hudson Valley region of upstate New York. This awesome. is where I built my life as of the last decade. That's oh, awesome. very nice. I love both of those areas. Oh, yeah. I, right. I love Montreal, it's one of my favorite yeah. cities. I feel like it has the best food, culture, so good. Oh, and then Hudson God. Valley has a great scene. I have not oh. been to Canada, but I've thought about going in the last five years. Like, really, like, you know, like, did you did you uh, regret coming, like building your life here as as our as our country fucking that, of shit? That would take up the entire. <laughs> if you really want to you don't understand who you're talking to. I, I do. But that's why that's no, I, I do. That's one of the reasons why I definitely wanted to it's come the on. biggest subject of my life dating mm. back to 1994 when i said yes to joining whole when wow. i actually said no because yeah. i did not want to join a band of tragedy and in america in corporate hell i said wow. no because i actually really love montreal and the utopia cultural socialist values that i come from yes. and so it has yeah. been a complete war within myself for 25 years and believe me in 2016 that is when the war turned into full-on nuclear missiles constantly in my head right. <laughs> as it has uh, done a lot of interesting things to my marriage to my born and raised in manhattan husband tony who <laughs> just but no, it can't be that bad. I'm like, you don't understand how different there's a fundamental psychic entire layer of things that is completely different. And then I'll have you know that the pandemic, uh, as one of his family members who had always confided, like, I'm gonna gotta get him back up to Canada. He doesn't understand what he's missing. Our daughter, she's gotta have a Canadian life. And then it took the pandemic for me to kidnap him to Canada. And we spent one year in like utopia british columbia in the mountains with no cave no covid glacier lakes uh, just unbelievable people happiest best year of my daughter's life wow one year i decoded the american mind of a man named tony who is a progressive person but he did not understand what the difference <laughs> the psychic level canada versus usa is and he has finally come around to, well, maybe, maybe by high school, we can go there. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you guys aren't looking to adopt, are you? Because I will I mean, I'm, I pack light. I can be the au pair. I'll take care of uh, John and your, your daughter. <laughs> we would be starting businesses and we would, uh, we would petition to bring all of our friends to work for oh. a film, music, media, everything company. This is how we would do it, is move oh. part of our 
life there. But but I do have a remarkable life in the Hudson Valley, which uh, as a lot of my friends who still are in the world of like the world, I retreated. I left the rock world and I got pregnant in 2010 and I had a daughter and I gave birth to a art center in upstate New York and I plugged from the whole global, entirely local. And for the last 12 years, I have built an art center in a tiny corner of a small city across the street from my house that it's just the universe that I wish we could all live in, in the United States. So I have devoted the last decade plus in trying to build my little corner of the U.S. to be as good as it can be. Uh, and even that. Beautiful. Hard. Yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. Do you, yeah. How, yeah. how have you been doing with like reconciling basically? Like, Because I, you know, for my own sanity, and sometimes I tell this to my friends the same way too, who I know are like heavily progressive. We all are basically, but like, you know, there's that point where you're just you're just feeding yourself too much poison between between circling yeah. through, you know, Twitter yes. and then oh. whatever. Oh, I thought you meant just by being in America. Well, that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, just, just in general, actually. Just by being. <laughs> yes. Walking just the function of living. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the amount no, of pain. Yeah, totally. But are you are you able to bet like like how how good were you? I guess at maybe creating that life for yourself and not dipping. You know, because oh. it does take a balance. You're dipping back into it. You want to be aware, but at no. the same time, you're like, I, I need to keep. You know, yeah. You know, I don't not- look at I don't look at anything on on social media or the news. My husband is mm-hmm. my news source, so All he right. reads the news. I occasionally look at the Guardian once a week, but mm-hmm. mainly for climate news and for world kind of leadership news. Like I want to know who out there is actually speaking the truth about the decline of our civilization and the planet earth. So I kind of just look on a global level. I do not do anything on social media whatsoever. I have a very cool art center that has a 26 year old person who posts our stuff. So I have like a good, so Basilica Hudson, our art center that, but I don't even touch the, the platform. So I'm never anywhere near there, but I didn't, it wasn't something I know a lot of people talk about like detoxing and like detaching. Yeah. I'm from the nineties. I just never went on it. I I never moved to Brooklyn. I said, Oh, you people are leaving Manhattan. I'll just Canada or whatever. I don't need to go to Brooklyn. Right. No offense against Brooklyn, but it's, I just never went. I've never known. Just like I was a photographer and I shot film like that Mm -hmm. school for photography. And then I accidentally Mm -hmm. fell into rock bands. (laughs) I don't take pictures anymore because you can't buy film or process it. So I don't take pictures. I just don't. I am not digital. I am an analog being. I'm writing my memoir right (laughs) now. And there's a chapter called I am an analog being. Oh, beautiful remove me from digital i just don't live there wow that's amazing that really yeah. is amazing okay well I, it's literally you <laughs> and and, and janine garofalo who i taught oh, I, she, I think she's upstate actually she's she, she is and she is i've spoken to her only i mean i met her in person obviously but i spoke to her over the phone because i wanted her to i wanted us to do something but i have to do it i i have to actually do this physically live in a theater in order to get her uh, to do anything, she goes. Right. You, she's, yes. 
she goes you don't understand i'm because i she was i thought she was semi-joking she's like i don't have a computer and i was like okay i'm like all right i'm like you just tell me you don't want to do this and she's like no you don't understand i'm a grandma basically she's like i don't go online i do not email she's like i have a flip phone i'm talking to you on a flip phone and i was like holy <laughs> shit so I, find, cool. I wish I could do that. I find that I am, impressive. Yeah, I'm not there. I'm, because I started the art center and I did have to start a blog for it to like at first. Now we have a website and we have the and I got mm. someone else to take it over. But I had to enter the 21st century to be able to promote other people's work. So the, the right. foundation of the art center, Basilica Hudson, is being a platform for innovative, independent culture, music, mm. film, everything. So mm. I kept my dream of the analog old world alive in an old factory up here. Nice. But in order to get human beings to get to it, I need to use the internet. And I email <laughs> so much for all of my, like now I'm a founder and director of an art center and I have grants and sponsors and people I have to. So I'm like an insane emailer. Like I oh, type nice. so fast. And so I, <laughs> like the telephone basically i only use the computer for telephone communication or doing things with me but no but i mean that's kind of why when covid hit and my i get to go back to canada for a year because our our events shut down i had to figure out what to do with the computer because i knew i would like I didn't need to make connection but i didn't want to lose touch with the audience we were building yeah sure. Which is why I went into a weird podcast world, which I loved because I love talking. So I mm. like being able. So this format that you're doing only became familiar and okay with me because of COVID. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I have a similar story with that. Like I knew nothing of podcasting whatsoever, but I'm in all live events and I needed to do something just to maintain yeah. the audience, to yeah. stay in touch with them. So I ended up starting to gamble online because my business is based a lot in gambling. And it's funny, I gained a bigger audience in like Amsterdam and the UK would start donating to my channel to oh, watch me right. gamble. Yeah, but it was, oh, it was unsustainable. They fell for the poor American. The poor <laughs> American. <laughs> who has no socialized medicine and no future for his children. No way to put them for school. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what led me to John. I was like, I can't keep gambling all the time online. And then we, I met some incredible comedians. They, they had ideas for shows. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. And that was yeah. the progress. That's 200 shows ago, right, John? It's crazy. Oh my God, yeah, a little over 200. I'm I'm a, I'm a little behind. Um, I'm the yeah. only. But yeah, I mean, that's that is the advent of this thing because I just I you know uh, we were talking about you. You said the title of the show, which really makes me happy, is the one that is kind of what drew you to the thing, because it was just something dystopia that I people just throw it around a lot, and I think we are genuinely living in a dystopia. But okay. you just hear it all the time to the point where I was just like, I how is nobody doing anything with yep. this fact? And I hate to like. You know, I, I'm, I try to not be as uh, as neg like dystopia is obviously very negative. So I try to like throw mm -hmm. everything in the beginning. I don't mind talking about topical stuff, but I feel like we have to figure out a way to kind of live through it. And like you basically what you did, you know, you you, you right. made your own little world yeah. within that. I, I really do think for our own sanity and for our own health, we need to be able to remain somewhat aware, but also kind of still be able to live our lives because I've seen people dip way, way too far into yeah. the, you know, the hell that is our fucking, you know, political system and everything else. Oh, and, God. and it's not, it's not healthy and it's not great, but at the no. same time, 
I know too many people who are like completely unaware of what's going on. And I'm like, yeah, you probably shouldn't be in that city right now. Or, you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, rude awakening on that end. But I mean, comedy, you're doing that. So that, yeah. oops, you know, like that's what yeah. music and art and everything is about. I mean, one of the words in 2020, our art center turned in 10 and we pivoted mm -hmm. our commitment to independent alternative arts turned into climate crisis awareness. So we're using the joy of alternative weird art and music as a connector to inform people about what is terrifying news, but it is also revelation. It's a revelation of a systematic shift that it has to happen. We built this, this, I, these horrible systems on greed, selfishness, takeover mentality, extracting, extracting, extracting. And we can find, I, 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 I'm writing a lot about this right now, about the beauty, even just the 90s where I came up and found, you know, the power, what I witnessed as a girl who started as a cassette DJ in a dive bar in 1990 and then watched what happened to the band that made the band, the, the album bleach to nevermind to then meeting the pumpkins in front of 20 people. And then I watched alternative culture take over. Mm -hmm. And I believe that the grassroots is the power, which we're seeing on the extreme right and the extreme left, which is yeah. now, yeah all terrifying but like the, <laughs> the grassroots can make enough of a a boiling up to change so while we're like watching the two sides fight about the most radically extreme things of controlling bodies and controlling bodies whatever these insane extremes are yeah. somewhere in there if there's a unification around just the simple i am human on a planet and our actual planet is reacting very badly to the impacts that humans have made on this planet. If there's a rise of actually, you know, basically hippies, but not scientists, brilliant minds, astrophysicists, people who understand cycles of like entire solar system, the way that the wind works around our planet, like these kinds mm -hmm. of remarkable, magical things could create an entire future movement of planet first people that could save and hopefully shut down these other two extreme voices that are all just based on selfishness and greed. You know, both yeah. sides are just trying to have the, the last say and the power over the people. And if there could be a true humanist socialist party, and I don't even, I'm not even talking within the systems, but we on the ground, yep. humans that just, I mean, part of as a rock musician who moved upstate New York and fell in love with an 1880s cool factory. First, I wanted to just bring film and music and arts, the stuff that I love that I saw around the world that I wanted to bring to my little neighborhood. But then as I lived in my little neighborhood and became friends with the farmer and the book maker and that then our programming shifted based on listening to who was around me and what was around me. And this whole thing that was emphasized with COVID of like, who is your neighbor and what neighborhood do you actually live in? And is the park around the corner actually maybe beautiful, but you never noticed it before. And now that you have so few options, don't you love your neighbor in your park? And this is the kind of thing that climate crisis requires. COVID was a disaster because it created more 
political wars and stupid economy options for everyone to like, like fight over. But Mm -hmm. it also awakened like we as individuals are fragile. Our planet is fragile. And if we don't like whip into self-sufficient, self-aware people, and we're not just like you were saying, but the people who aren't aware of the dystopia, who are just Mm -hmm. so (laughs) into some phony reality that has been plugged into honestly mostly the american dream i don't see other western countries being this delusional about they think i mean the delusion that america is offering you the best life is just the biggest joke i mean i i moved as a 22 year old in a rock band in 1994 i was like oh my god like they actually don't realize that this is the government is giving them nothing. I mean, I my mother was an expat. She moved during the Vietnam War to Canada as an American from Boston because she she moved as out of rebellion of just it's not okay. Like she didn't have to dodge the draft, but as mm. you know, many draft dodgers moved to Canada, and my mother is friends with a lot of expats from all of them that moved in the '60s with like this isn't fair. Civil rights sucked. Every everything was bad in the and the fact that the, that this dream of it being the freest, most <laughs> privileged country of the world. It's just insane. You know, to me that anyone who's believing even an, I, I mean, I'm not saying that the country is terrible. I actually have nothing but love slash fear for it based right. on the illusion that right. is keeping everybody either fighting or dumb. It, yes. it's, it's not okay. Yeah, yeah, but I think a lot of it is like, just like your husband, he couldn't see how beautiful Canada was because he was so stuck in his day-to-day over yeah. and over. I feel like a lot of people don't get the chance to experience other cultures. And then if you do, and you're blessed enough to do that, like right mm-hmm. before the, the pandemic hit, we were uh, me and my wife were in Norway. So gorgeous. Like everything mm-hmm. is yeah. utopian. It yeah. really is. The people are so nice. I said to her, we would get, we'd pull over on the side of the road to wait for the sun, to, for it to get dark enough for the Northern Lights little old ladies like 80 something years old by themselves in the car would pull over and be like do you need some help can i help you i'm like i <laughs> would fear if it's like my grandmother <laughs> <I'm> doing that <laughs> look at the size of me you didn't even see my wife but no really i mean this summer i brought now that we're back in the u.s because we didn't we have we came back but i brought a bunch of friend new yorkers to montreal for summer vacation things this mm-hmm. summer because now I'm just determined as long as I get back up to Montreal regularly, I won't be this, this desperate <laughs> wife. Mother. So I'm trying to go up more often just to get my, like a few days of walking around nice people who, and I'm not saying everything is perfect in Canada. Canada is not perfect. I'm just saying by right. comparison and in the kind of like, if you're really tuned in to what's going on in America, which is why I love living in upstate New York, this is reality. This is not New York City and Los Angeles and San Francisco. Yeah. This is reality. And yeah. there are poor, white, black, brown people everywhere. And nobody has what they need anywhere. Right. So, yeah. like, reality yeah. in America is very different than the, you know, whatever the other layer is. And, and the nice people thing really is a big part of the difference in Canada or Norway and that is what decoded Tony, I think, throughout. Just, wow, wait a right. second. Yeah. The generosity and the trust based mm-hmm. on coming from a society that gives you the basics, 
because the it's the class system thing in the U.S. The whole thing about like be your own, you know, success that self right. and illusion that doesn't work. Right. And, yeah. and when you when you live in a country where everyone's given the basic same thing, when you have basically the same education and medical and obviously the guns is a whole other thing and the weird two-party system thing is a whole other thing but the basics are are fair mm -hmm. and therefore the basic human being the the middle class exists in north in in canada so north of the border and in all the socialized countries but also mm -hmm. in france and germany middle class exists it's not right. just and poor. We know that this is what really happened and why Trump was elected and why the up and down of the two parties is that we keep selling out the middle class. Yeah. And we yeah. destroy hollowing out this country of a function. And other countries are smart. They don't that they preserve that. They protect it for a reason. Because then it doesn't create class wars and right. It, you know, it's you know has everyone uh, seen Hamilton? Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I actually got into Hamilton only when I was in Canada for the I was like, oh wow, wow. I'm only getting my American history lesson from <laughs> guy that I find I'm really getting of like, oh my god, these poor orphans made this dream based on a survival instinct of like right. we gotta do it, we gotta do it. And I understand mm -hmm. their instinct, which was get the the royal, you know, the the king away and get but do you remember the scene in Hamilton where the king says but, you know, who's going to be there for you when your experiment might fail? Right. And that, to me, mm -hmm. the irony as like, I feel like I'm probably talking in like a middle school, high school class right now, because my, <laughs> my own awareness as a Canadian who's been and dual citizen, I have always had both citizenships so I'm privileged that way that I, I can mm -hmm. choose between where I want to live. But mm -hmm. I had this simple realization about the, the rejecting of the queen, because in Canada, we have the queen on our money. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Smiths and the queen, the real mm -hmm. queen. Said. And <laughs> I've been thinking about it a lot for years of like what that queen does for a general sense of sort of up, down, and that what this sort of you're in it on your own American frontier, whatever, right. whatever this thing is, it's very complicated and i'm not saying that there's a right way and a wrong way and i do am I'm, I'm blown away by the individuality that made this american dream mind-blowing right the independence and the spirit is incredible and i never want to disrespect that because like hamilton and every other like basically surviving person did incredible things and mm -hmm. did terrible things of course terrible and terrible and it's crazy though when you, especially when you talk about the you know, the reality in America versus like other countries and and how you know America is kind of living in like a fantasy haze or whatever. But you know it is it's we we do that with almost everything too because you're right in the frontier days the individuality is the thing that drove the country and made the country. But it seems right. like with everything else it, it's almost and I hate to tie it into um, entertainment in, in, in a way, but that's you know it's all I know. But like <laughs> but it's the same thing with like you know like uh like when TV was brand fucking new or when the internet was brand new or whatever and then you'd have these moments where it was like all oh, these creativity and art and like stuff you've never seen before come through but as soon as the machine gets a hold of it and people figured out how to monetize it yeah. that's when everything gets pressed down into this little cube and this little box that they have to right. survive in and yeah i mean there there's times where we even break out of it you know and and figure out new ways to do stuff 
like a new Apple pop up that no one's figured out how to advertise on yet or whatever it is. <laughs> but, but it is. But the, but the crazy thing is, too, is like I feel it's like it's the same way with, you know, with protests now. Do you feel like the window between what we can get done with activism gets smaller because like in my head i'm thinking the blm movements right. you know i went to the protests and stuff and i was out in them or whatever and i feel like there was a very small window where they didn't know quite how to cover everything yet mm -hmm. right so we were you know people were out in the streets a lot of shit was happening everything was getting covered to a certain point because there was just so much going on and some strides were being made and then as soon as the machine got a hold of it and the media got a hold of it they figured out what to show what not yep. to show and then we had to kind of take a different route of it because it became this thing where like yes i think some demands were being met and then of course the apparatus watered it down to sure we'll fire on and jemima and we were like, who the fuck asked? Nobody did you fucking yeah. ask for that. You know, so it's it's weird. I always feel like the window of like right. when we can act gets smaller because of how quickly the mechanism figures out what we're doing. It's it's right. you know, turns it over. I don't yeah. even know if it's a, if it's mechan I think a lot of it is I don't know, and whatever. I'm not gonna go on political reds, but I think a lot of it is that money can buy influence, right? And I think money can also buy media power. So I feel like the two combined are tough. Today, I was doing a walkthrough because I'm doing a fundraiser. I'm donating some, like, some time for a live event. That So they, do, they bring like immigrants and they help acclimate them to the area. While I'm there, they get a phone call that a plane is landing in Teterboro with a bunch of immigrants that DeSantis sent yeah. up okay. in a private plane. And they're, the, these people, their job was going to be to go there and help them just get them settled into something for now. But I'm like, that's so crazy. I was like, I didn't see any of this on the news. They're like, you won't see it on the news. She goes, the queen's dead. That's all they're going to cover right now. Right, right. Not gonna see and everything going on in Puerto Rico, yeah. nobody has any clue because right. the queen's dead. Yeah, well, exactly. I just can't believe that we got all these new platforms. We used to have like three news sources. Now we have like a million. And somehow, because of the greed of the monetizing of the media, they all are competing for the same. Yeah. So there's not even, I mean, my, I, my, my parents were the coolest. My father was a journalist. Both my parents were journalists. They actually met their first published um, uh, pieces was her, the French, and him, the English review of a Frank Zappa show in Montreal. So they started as cultural journalists. Holy and they, shit. I know, it's a very cool. And then they met in the alternative uh, print world and they she they were both the founders of two different alternative weekly newspapers her the French and him the English even though he was a born and raised in Montreal and she was an American expat who went to do her master's in French literature and became a French person and basically pretended to never be American and raised <laughs> the you will never go back to that place. <laughs> and so proud of me but it's very confusing because I feel like I'm doing her finishing her business with America, but um, they were both journalists of the up uh, for CBC. So both radio, TV, journalism. Mm -hmm. So both my parents, my father died a long time ago, but he was that old school journalist who actually, he would be losing his mind right now about right. what journalism has become. I mean, it, everything is a puppet to the the media companies not only because it's not just as simple as advertisers or right. it is catching the eye competing with the thing but worse is this political 
politics have literally just every single media outlet feels like they have to have the political opinion. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm not understanding anymore is this insane, like journalism used to be objective and people used to have could form their own opinion. Right. Right. Now is the host. We're all hostage, which is why I don't participate in any of it hostage to some kind of political opinion right. and you can't even have conversations about half the things that we should be having conversations about. Yeah. So. Well, a lot of that is because we have now, for some reason, I don't know when this started exactly, maybe 10 years ago, I, I have no idea, but we've decided that our we're basing that kind of stuff on who we are characteristically. So like even right. our, and, and then like, so once regular, once people started doing that because of the internet or whatever it was, and then the media companies kind of picked up on like, you know what it was like, I feel like I almost equate it to how, um, you know, like the, when the Reagan administration was basically like, okay, um, this untapped market of Christian zealot, you know, nobody's, nobody's appealing uh-huh. to them. So we're going to bring them in. And even like the worst dude, whatever, what, what, what was this? Goldwater was like, uh, not a good idea. Like the asshole <laughs> of that whole group was like, bad idea he was right or whatever but i feel like it was almost the same way where like they like media companies whatever it was figured out there was you know message boards and stuff like that on the internet where they were like hey there seems to be this untapped lost soul market of right. you know truly unhinged individuals why don't we make why don't we pretend that that's the news and whatever the thing is because they seem to uh like each other and favor each other based on what political party they like or what candidate they like and this person's not an asshole and this person is based on Yep. like really superficial shit and that's how yeah. that's why anderson cooper has to like you know make a display of something instead of just reporting the news or doing yeah. what he's supposed to do he's now i align myself with this person which means i'm a good guy Not and then as great. soon as you make a mistake you know it's such it's, it's a- right which is so the two big things you're bringing up it's basically tribalism mm. which is yes. what literally yes. is why war has been happening for thousands of years <laughs> right on <laughs> like, and it's fear it's fear and tribalism and people trying to stay safe and be connected to the power. It's all, it's, it's, it's a mess because what, and that's kind of back to the irony of like this country was built on this individuality thing, but in fact, and like not being an allegiance to the queen, but we've created an even stranger dysfunctional like instinct like it's based on all of these so it's much more tribal it's much more like being in the wilderness <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah yeah that's crazy yeah. lord of the flies yeah exactly and the worst part about it is too is that i feel like it makes people feel way more alone than they actually are which is a shame because i think that you know the, the whole lie of social media is it connects you more i i oh, swear yeah. to god i think it's oh, the it's worst a pit. it's yeah. a yeah. pit in the stomach it is it makes you so lonely which mm-hmm. is the epidemic for children forget it like a teenage yeah. people Poor people trying to connect deeper when really there's nothing like walking down the street with a new friend and like discovering, oh God, absolutely. Yeah, I'm just gonna yeah. be an analog being forever, and I'm just gonna write about it, be about it all the time because uh, I swear it's a better. I, life. <laughs> I was talking to a friend the other day, and I hate do, like I'm I you know I'm 
I don't know why I was about to say I'm getting older, like no shit, John. Like, but you know what I mean? But I am like, <laughs> like my friends and I talk, it's, it's a thing that I'm like slightly upset. Cause I don't know what's going to, uh, I'm probably, you know, I'm whatever. I'm going to be dead soon. But it, what, what I'm saying is like, there's a, like my friends and I were like, I kind of lamenting, like, you know, my, my birthday is coming up. I'm going to be, you know, 38 November. My friend just had a birthday. So we're all talking about this kind of shit. And I was like, it's kind of sad, but I cannot remember the last time I, I like literally met a stranger at either a, a bookstore or whatever like i meet people out but it's not the same as when i hate saying this expression not the same as when i was a kid where i would be in the same store as somebody we like the same shit and you'd meet somebody and you'd be like god this person's so fucking cool like who are they like you know i want to get to that does not happen and i'm like is it because i'm maybe it's not supposed to happen anymore i don't like i really don't yeah. fucking understand i i'm, I'm covid screwed everybody's brains up so covid made everything even more disconnected and uh, makes us feel like we've been living like this forever or something where we like, I mean, yeah, a lot of damage done for the social behavior. I mean, I think we're, I call us the, the middle age, forget it. We're fine. It's the young and and old, the people who are like coming into their own and the ones who are ending their lives with this kind (laughs) of social confusion, the combination of COVID and social media is on earth. I mean, it is is. hell, not to mention the, you know, just the wars of, I I don't know how long your show is, but I want to make sure we talk about rock music. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I I love this though, the way, and there's no real like, like we, here's how it usually, I try to, I always tell people it's an hour. I try to keep it to Mm -hmm. that. If the guest wants to leave or they hate me or Mm -hmm. whatever the deal is. And then I, I, you know, but otherwise, yes, yeah. Yeah. You're like, I got a, a whole thing of PBS going on right yeah. now. Um, yeah. It's like you follow that up with some NPR and Terry Gross, I'm sure is lovely to listen to when you want to go to sleep. Um, uh, she's, I don't know why I just, just Terry, she's lovely. Uh, met her once. Um, but uh, anyway, but yeah, like you can stay for, you know, we can talk about whatever. And I love to talk about rock music if we, we can transfer this over that. This is quite the dystopian conversation anyway. Yes. It is. Right it up is. my alley. Hey, but I think, you know, because I've been doing a lot of writing, so I'm writing a memoir about a decade, 91 to 2001. So it's like the arrival of Nevermind, my entry into the rock scene, and then up to 9-11. And I think that decade, and of course, the, you know, the whole millennial moment and Y2K and all of the, and analog digital, and mainly the sellout and death of my generation's like, are when you think about the alternative grunge moments that that I got caught in the wave of, and I had the privilege to serve in two of the big bands in, uh, I learned so much, of course, about humanity and rock music, but mainly about my generation and the turning of, you know, the end of a millennial and a century and like the 1900s and everything that it was and the fast and rapid evolution from the industrial revolution into the digital revolution really is like uh, the rest of my life. All I'm going to be doing is reflecting on that. And in this first book for this decade, it's really fascinating when you think about Nirvana, whole the pumpkins, Jane's addiction, uh, Soundgarden, whatever, you know, all the bands that meant everything to me and that I got to play in and that I got to tour with all of them is that we, and I'm trying to distill this into a couple of chapters in my book, 
when you look at, you know, obviously Kurt being the, the Jesus Christ figure of the time, the sacrificed self-destroyed hero mm -hmm. of the bunch and what we were like heart on our sleeves, pain, so sad, every one of us. This was, you know, in terms of what a movement was based on pretty much, of course, warning of corporate takeover, which ended up being taken over, which is why when I ended my deck, I was like, well, I just watched my entire generation get destroyed by the corporations that we were rebelling against in the 80s because we, this is what it makes me so this is when I start like spiraling into like outer outer space galaxies is <laughs> holy, holy crap. We were this like warning call, a 10 year scream that was saying, wait till you see what's around the corner. And right. we all got sucked and destroyed and killed and mm. butchered by the system. The magic was broken. It was like this... And it's a very like I'm not saying there's other not other stuff going, but like that to me is this like strange thing that's been flashing as I've been trying to like, you know, obviously it was drugs, it was addiction. I mean, I was a non-addict, happy, and I'm not like I know I'm not the can't just like Canada's not perfect. I'm not perfectly happy, but comparatively speaking, sure. I was yeah. incredibly happy, solid together grounded human being that filled the shoes of a, of a deceased bass player and then a disappeared bass player in a world of endless, basically addiction and loss and privilege of having our voices being picked up by first amazing humans that were like us, but then taken by an insane corporate system. And then all of our fans taken along with, and then all of a sudden we woke up to a hollow nothing and no offense against these bands, but I woke up in 1999 and I was on stage with corn limp biscuit and the offspring. And I, that was not where I came from. Right. That they came from, I guess, parts of that and they were younger than us or whatever, but that's when, you know, I realized, Oh, well, it's over. Okay. Our scene ended. And, <laughs> and what happened? <laughs> um, now now this new world. <laughs> right, right. And then I don't know what happened in 2000. Then you had all these other like, goop, goop, like weird. It just it's fascinating what happened. And then, you know, of yeah. course, by then you had iTunes and MySpace and everything just like, <laughs> it just got so weird. Um, but what I am most curious about in like, in terms of, I feel like my generation was this strange like raw nerve, vulnerable child that was in between these weird boomers that were like, we protest and we got equal rights and now we're going to work for Apple. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> so there was like super like weird, happy <laughs> people who were, who were all about changing the world. They changed the world and they destroyed it with computers yeah. and the internet. And then we had the next one, which is all the people who grew up on the internet. They're like, we know everything because we have everything at our fingertips. I don't even need to leave my house. I don't have to walk to the record store to find my cool alternative friend, nor discover an album that I waited a year for. Nothing. It's just right. all there. So we were this like lost little sliver of people who really were very emotional, very sensitive, very concerned about the world before us and the world after us. 
And that when I saw what happened, which is why I'm enjoying writing about, is that we all retreated. The people in my, a lot of us just stepped away. Why mm -hmm. is this girl the biggest rock star on the planet? He's the last one standing of all yeah. or mm -hmm. clan. We all stepped away and said, you know what? This isn't exactly what, so I, I you know, it's a weird, so, I don't know what you think about the vans I was in and the moment I was in, but I've been doing a lot of thinking. What do you think we were doing and what happened? And what did you like about it if you liked anything? I love the question. Go ahead. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. Joanne, you want to go? No. I don't know. I, I know what you mean. Like, I, I, it's weird. I have like uh, a genuine affection for that time period because my friends and I grew up in between that those two for some you know we we did not have an iphone we didn't have we yeah. had the internet but it was like literally right. like the computers were still blocked i remember the first time i used macintosh when it was like a big day at my school when i was in uh i was in arizona at the time uh i don't know why i say it, like i was living like i was four i was with my parents obviously <laughs> <between jobs>. uh, <laughs> you know i crashed with my parents i was four years old it was a, it was a rough time um, but, I, but I remember like that kind of stuff, but like we grew up, my friends and I talk about this kind of shit all the time. Cause we don't quite know where we fit. I, mm -hmm. I had cassettes. I had a cassette player. I remember when CDs came out mm -hmm. and you know, I remember my first Apple iPod that I rejected. I was like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't want it. I didn't like that. I, I no mm -hmm. artwork on the seat. Like I was really like, this is bullshit. Um, yeah. But uh, but I I really do have an I love you know I love Hole I love uh, Smashing Pumpkins obviously huge fan of all those '90s bands all the grunge all the alternative bands I mm -hmm. think they had a huge impact on me and you know I think that's also like lyrically and and musically why I am the way my, my friends and I listen to that shit like all the time we love we look mm -hmm. forward like what you were saying about looking forward to an album and all that other stuff coming out I remember my friends some of them who had you know. Uh, maybe a little bit more money, whatever would get the new thing. And we would, you know, sit around and like, uh, anytime oh. we had like a lunch, we'd try to finish our lunch real quick and then go sit outside on the bleachers and listen to the new, yeah. whatever, you know, whatever it was. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. I still feel like for us, there's still a lot of that fire, but it does, it disappoints the shit out of me when like I see people who don't have any interest in it and will listen to the same kind of homogenous, you know, TikTok kind of like even creativity to a certain extent gets very fucking homogenous. It's like one person makes something and instead of going, instead of looking at it, cause I feel like a lot of you guys, especially the bands were like, I love this guy and this group and this band, but what can I do? I wonder what it's in me to make something new. I wonder what I can create instead of going, I could sound like that. And then just doing that. And I don't know, you know, I don't know where it's going to wind up. And I feel like, again, you know, mm -hmm. I, I'll, some people will be like, fuck you. Like, you know, uh, um, you know, that's just because you're older now or whatever it is. And, you know, you're at it. But I, I don't think I think there's a distinct difference between the de I think those decades and what everybody kind of made and created to what's going on now. I think it's an undeniable fucking difference. And and based on digital and access to information. I mean, right. like the whole Absolutely. Thing, having less is more and all that. And now I feel, feel for people that too much information is not going to help you discover yourself. You know, it's, you're kind of like drowning, not right. to, and like mm -hmm. then COVID hits and all these poor teens have to just like look at their phones. Uh, yeah. 
So I think yeah. that that is. You know what's cool? What do you think? Sorry, I didn't mean, I mean to interrupt, but like, another thing I realized too is like, I think the, so there are bands though, like Joanne and I share music. Like I have a few friends, we all share music mm -hmm. all the time. Joanne and I'll go out on the road. I think sometimes she and I just do stand up on the road together because we're just like, let's just listen to this new shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can we book a gig? So yeah. that we, I've got so much music we need to listen yeah, to. Exactly. I'm like, I got a new album of this guy. But like, mm -hmm. and I, and I really, really, I still like, I love find. I still love finding new music. I mean, that's right. the one thing that I think is never going to die, and that's probably something that your generation taught the rest of us to always, mm -hmm. you know, like look look for something new and look for good content. But I, I, it does blow my mind when like they're not recognized. Like I just went to see. Um, uh, so I had uh, Jonathan Russell from. Um, I don't know if you know who he is from uh, Head in the Heart, a band that I really love. They're they're great, and they invited me out to the festival to see them play and to hang out with them and stuff. And you know. Green Day, Green Day headlined it and another. Uh, so they were there. And then there was this other stuff kind of going on. You know, they had obviously some other names or whatever. Um, and then I, they didn't get coverage. You know what I mean? Like, and it bums me out because I'm like, God, there's they did so fucking well. You know, um, they were great. You know, they drew huge. Everybody was like singing and they knew all the lyrics and stuff. But like, I feel like there's these awesome bands that are still coming up that are still much like that have that vibe in the 90s feel and their lyrics mean something. And it means something to other. He's got this one song that I love, and it's literally just about, you know, um, believing in yourself enough to and, and like having like to, to disassociate maybe from your family, but creating a new family within yourself and yeah. within the the stuff you're making. And it's yeah. just, I mean, and everybody rallied around it. And I read a review of the festival, and I was like, they did not fucking get coverage. And I think that bothers me within the media. It's like, oh, is there something click worthy? Can we? Is there a meme? Can we make a thing? Did anybody make a spectacle? No, but it's like, can you just be good and, and, you know, do well? I don't know. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe they have an online fan base that helps. Them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you mean. I just hope they're getting like, you know, you watch these award shows and shit and you're like, Oh, well, let's forget it. Yeah. 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 I'm like, is there anybody that's fucking, you know, but, no, but that's, that's what everything is. I mean, talk about, comedy it's the same thing like everybody you know anybody that does comedy knows you don't have to be good to get famous it's mm -hmm. very rare <laughs> that that is what's centered on you know it's yeah. it's not centered on talent it's not centered on yeah it's it's centered on yeah media it's centered on what's gonna draw the most you know yeah, yeah clicks or whatever and all that shit and it, it it's, and if you have the right equipment now disheartening right. yeah mm -hmm. yeah like i right. like there's people that i know who like and i, and I you know i'm not going to drop any names or anything like that but like you know if you can create a good reel and your friends are able to film that's another thing too like the generation has on us is like you know they know how to make content yeah i do yeah. i'm not my friends and i are not constantly you know with our cameras filming each other also i don't know i do like they look great everyone and i do not look good all the, like not like maybe maybe six percent like and everybody looks so good you just and put I, blurry filter on and you're yeah on. just <laughs> put the blur on the entire yeah. screen <laughs> all of thing. it just fucking, oh, like a great. mafia witness yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, that would be my gimmick, Mafia comic. And it's just no one can hear me or distinguish me from uh, my voice or anybody else. I don't know. Um, I feel like there's there's been a 
all right, so I grew up in like that era was my high school era, right? So like, mm. the '90s. So like, it was such a connection to that type of music to to all different forms of music with me. But like, certain people gravitated so heavily into that scene that it was their world, right? But I yeah. think that's what we had back then too, because when when you dove into something, you dove all the way in. It wasn't a ten second, then a new ten second, then a new ten second. Right. Like, you are either really into that or really into this. So, I mean, there's something to be said for the diversity of the youth. I think the the emotional outlet, and I think they're lacking it and looking for it, right? So there's a lot of talk about, like, emo teens and super sensitive and this and that. But I think that was there in our era when we were younger. It was just we had a way to direct it and to, like, connect to it. Whereas they, I think, just have so much going on with it, you know? There's a genuine, I think there's a genuine acceptance though of like, or not an, even like, I, I like the acceptance. I like, so, you know, we've talked about mental health and stuff like that. And I've dealt with my own bouts of depression and all the other stuff before too. But it's a weird thing where I think the disconnect from, you know, maybe when like I grew up or when, when you guys were growing up or whatever, where it's like, you know, it was something to overcome or something to get past or something to get beyond. You acknowledge what you had if you could, or you got your close new group of friends. For some reason now, I feel like there's more of an acceptance of this is, I am, you know, this is who I am and I'm not going to try to overcome it or branch out or whatever. And I, I don't know, you know, it's a, it's a weird thing. Cause I don't think, I think it's like the, uh, people just get used to over talking about it and they're like, that's enough. And it's like, Oh no, but what are you doing to heal yourself to reintegrate into society and not be this, you know, um, just super scared of stuff or reclusive or reclusive or whatever the hell it is. You know, um, that's another difference I noticed too. Cause it's like, you can't watch anything without, you know, a trigger warning letting you know. And I'm not one of those people that's like, Oh, you know, they're soft. You know what I mean? Like I respect, you know, I get it if people whatever, but I feel like if you're constantly being warned about something ahead of time, your brain's going to go, Oh, you're already going to recoil. You're not going to be able to experience something or tell for yeah. yourself whether you like, how do you know you like gore or a good horror movie? If right before it comes on, there's a message that's like, this will fucking ruin your goddamn life. You know, like <laughs> you will never be able to sleep. And you're like, Oh fuck, I guess I'm weak. I can't watch this shit. You know, oh, yeah, you got to experience this. shit. Yeah. I have a question though. How did you get into the scene? Like, what led you there? There had to be. Oh, something. well, apparently, I've never read it, but apparently, apparently, my iTunes bio thing <gasps> it actually says which the story, which is the most simple and beautiful um, Cinderella story of how, and it was all based on a beer bottle and apology. So it was. Um, the the and this is all in the book that i'm writing right now it's this very exciting moment in 1991 when smashing pumpkins were playing for one dollar uh at a loony tuesday loonies are dollars in canada uh at a punk club which was the cbgb's of montreal that i was a ticket girl at i was the i was the cassette dj at like the equivalent of max fish and i was a ticket girl at the equivalent of cbgb's in montreal and i got to see all the shows for free even when they were a dollar. And I went to see this band called the Smashing Pumpkins who had uh, just not even released Gish. They had a one, uh, a 12 inch out on Sub Pop. And I went because the Sub Pop uh, um, logo on the flyer. And 
they started playing and I have been in love with music my whole life. I went to music and art school. I am like, my mother was the first female rock disc jockey in Montreal on the, on the airwaves. I was raised with a record collection. Rock music is everything always has been. So it's not like I discovered music. I've always had music, but when I discovered the sound of my generation in this one show in front of 20 people, the pumpkins captured everything that I had been like hearing in my dreams or something that I had not yet heard. And like, I liked Nirvana. I liked other, but there was something about their particular sound. And in this show, they were, I, I, I literally was being transformed. And my roommate's boyfriend, <laughs> who is this very nice guy, but I don't know what came over him decided he kept saying, God, these guys have such attitude. Who do they think they are? <laughs> <laughs> Well, what is going on here? And I kept, and I didn't understand. I was like, all I hear is the music. But what he saw was this like grandiosity attitude, which I didn't even notice. I was so busy hearing the sound. Mm. And in between songs, Billy was uh, tuning his guitar. And my friend Bruce next to me said, drop the fucking attitude, asshole. And it was like 20 of us in the crowd and the nice guitar player from Chicago was tuning. He said, I'm just tuning my fucking guitar. <laughs> conversation between a guy in an audience and this guy playing his And my friend Bruce then throws a beer bottle at him, crash smashes on his guitar. Billy Corgan jumps off stage, strangles my friend Bruce at my feet. And they're like, there's barely even a bouncer in the place and they're like rolling on the floor. Oh my and my gosh. first thought was my friend just ruined my new favorite band's show. What? And that's <laughs> what is it? The music was over, but what was he doing rolling on the floor? And then Billy Corgan gets off the floor onto the stage. And this is when he captured my heart for the rest of my life is he said, we have one more for you, Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> I am one, which is the opening track of Gish. And I was like, this band, like they played their best song. They played with the most incredible attitude. And I lit beeline to the side of the stage when he was, when they were taking their gear off. And I quite literally said, Hello, on behalf of Montreal, Canada, I'd like to apologize. My name is Melissa, and I will follow you till the end of time. And I did. And he discovered me, and my band eventually opened up for his band on Siamese Dream. And then he put me in Hole. And then when I left Hole, Darcy happened to have left the Pumpkins, and I joined his band. And he was the beginning and the end of my entire... So Billy Corgan, we're both born on St. Patrick's Day. We have some weird cosmic forever, and we're not even in touch to this day, but I'm in touch with him in the spirits. And I love Billy Corgan, and he found me, made me, and I left. That was it. A lot wow. of other things in between, but um, holy shit, that is an amazing, amazing story. Yeah. yeah, and we became pen pals. And then when Siamese Dream got big and he bought a house and got married, I got a return to sender letter when I was like, I finally have my band together. I want to open up for you when you play in Montreal because Siamese Dream was like there, never mind. And that was like two years later from when I met him. And uh, I literally wrote to the P.O. box on the back of my CD uh, to the fan club. Dear Billy, it's Melissa. My, my letter got returned. I finally have my band. Can I open up for you when you come through Montreal? 
Meanwhile, I am in like I, I'm a DJ. I work at a club. I've been in, been on the scene since I was 14. Every promoter knows me, and I go to the local promoters. I'm like, oh, by the way, my band that I've only played four shows at that point, by the way, is going to open up for Billy's band when it comes through. And they laugh. They're like, they don't need a local opener. No, <laughs> no, no. I promise, he's going to want me there. And no joke. Four days before the concert, the the tour manager is advancing, and Billy wants Melissa's band there, and they call me with their tail between their legs. Uh, he got your letter, I guess. And <laughs> <laughs> reads his fan mail in '94, whenever it was on the stream, and it's my letter of like, "Hey, I find I didn't even play bass when I first met him. I promised I would like meet him on the other side of music because I yeah. love him so much." And then. My band opened up for his and he watched my show on the side of the stage and it was the biggest audience I'd ever played to, like 3,000, 4,000 people, whatever that was at the time. I don't even know who I thought I was because I quite literally just learned how to play the bass like the year earlier and our band had just even gotten a name and it was called Tinker. And then I walked off the stage and he um, said, and with all due respect to Darcy, who was the bass player, but he said, Melissa, you're better than my bass player. And one day you're going to play in my band. And right there and then I never even had to like see him ever again. It was just this mentor believing in me who had shown me the sounds of my insides. I never had to do a thing ever again. And then shortly after Kurt died, then the bass player from Hole died. And then Courtney was, you know, in deep despair and Billy, her old friend, tried to help pick up the pieces. And one of the things she needed was a bass player when she couldn't even like get out of bed. And uh, he said, there's this girl in Montreal and that's it. And then he called me up and said, do you want to join? And I said, no way. <laughs> in this moment. And when she heard, I said, no, is when she um, uh, said there was no one else but me and she called and called and called and made me get on the plane and say no to her face and I arrived in Seattle and I couldn't say no because I understood it was my destiny and that's my whole story wow <laughs> but I just gave the whole book away I gotta go soon but do you know Cream the magazine yes. Cream yeah, absolutely. yeah. you know they're relaunching it no, no. So they're relaunching it, and I'm going to be in the in the in the second uh, blah blah whatever it's called. <laughs> it's a quarterly magazine. It's called Rock and Roll is Not Dead, and neither is print. So it's oh. big, beautiful, glossy rock magazine. I am pumping cream right now. It's the son of the founder who had got a bunch of investors and a bunch of people from Vice, like good people from Vice, maybe. Well, yeah. And are launching this real rock magazine. Oh and my God. I just did, they just came up to visit me. And because I'm writing this memoir and I'm going through my archives, we put together a photo essay of this story that I just told you. So it's going to be, um, but uh, through them coming, and this is how I'm going to. Do you have any more questions before I? We tell have three you? questions that we ask every guest and we can okay. read, read through that. Yeah. And then, I'll, and then I'll tell you my finale story to say goodnight. Beautiful. Oh, I love um, it. All right. So three Hold questions. On. Before you even say the three questions, I just want to thank you. I feel like you're yeah. so like in tune with the universe. I'm big on universe. All right. So I, yes. I'm very big on everything happens for reasons. We're all made of stardust. Yes. Hell yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Mm -hmm. So I just want to thank you. And there's been a ton of questions and comments. We'll get to them afterwards because I know you got to go, but 100% so good. Um, 
want to ask you the big three questions. Sure, First question me. is uh, a soft, there you go. Softball, <laughs> softball question is uh, if you go back in time and talk to your younger self, what piece of advice would you give yourself that would help you today? You know what to do, Melissa. Just believe in yourself. Beautiful. Um, second question is what had to end in your life, good or bad, that led you to where you are today? What had to end? Oh, lots of things. My father died, broke up with my first love, left the rock bands, everything. Everything happens because something ends. I'm all about death Ooh. and oh, being the gateway to the next. Oh, man. I'm so glad you said that because wow. that leads beautifully into the next mm -hmm. question. So if this was more of a dystopia than we're already in, and I'm talking either mm -hmm. it could be your choice of whatever, government yeah. takeover, uh, total destruction of the world, aliens, a zombie apocalypse, meteor, yep. climate change. Whatever it is, everybody knows it's their last day. What would be your epic death? How would you want to go out? And what would be the cause? Mm, that's so funny, being that I think about death a lot. And I, I have never thought about... Well, I've seen my death in one great psychedelic moment. I actually was there. And it was a very, very peaceful... Um, in an off-the-grid cabin in the woods with my daughter as a grown up nearby and just giving in and giving up to the earth. That's it. Just wow. beautiful. Love yeah. it. Thank you. And Tom, do you want to get right. to, what do you want to do? And becoming a tree. That's what I picture. Like you going into the ground and regrowing out as a tree. Becoming a tree. You can do that now though. Yeah. You can wear one of those suits. Yeah. Like uh, Luke, Luke, Luke yeah. Perry did it. Yeah. <laughs> You know, zip up and you're part of the universe. Yeah. So. Yeah. You can either be a tree and you can also get, I know there's some companies that shoot you into space, but I want to be a tree shot mm -hmm. into space. Mm -hmm. uh, the first space okay. tree. Space. Mm -hmm. Nobody has the money for this, by the way. I want to start a band <laughs> called Space Tree. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So we did have a, a bunch of great comments. We'll bring them up after because I don't want to keep you too long. And I do okay, appreciate cool. it. You know, just going to flash a couple. Like, just Jack said, she's definitely buying your book. Can't wait. Mm -hmm. We had a couple fun ones saying that how his friend's parents grew up outside the United States. They were exposed to all these really popular bands a lot as American kids and the parents would listen to. And it would be a delight to see there when he hears a new band like Counting Crows or Iron Maiden because they've uh, never experienced it, which is crazy. Wow. Love Counting Crows. Um, there's so much going on here. Let's let's hear the epic story. I yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll close out with just a silly end of the story is so cream magazine come up last week and they want to look at my photos and put together a photo essay of like my archives and the book that's coming out and what what is it what and uh and they they like you know content creators even they're a mag they're a hard copy magazine they're like oh god i'm so sorry do you mind if i just like film you like look at some photos or just so we have some content for online and they make me watch on the screen uh the last performance i did with the pumpkins on jay leno and i've never watched it ever not even wow. since i played it <laughs> and wow. and so they're for some reason they're just like could we just see you what like your reaction to watching and for some reason, because the writer said, like, whoa, you really shred on the bass. I'm like, well, yes, I had to. I'm not going to join the kids and not <laughs> on the bass. So what yeah. I wanted to talk about was, like, my, my amazing bass playing or something. But uh, I was watching it, and I said, God, is that the – yeah, that's the last – because 
I don't know whether you remember, you probably don't, but so I joined the Pumpkins in 1999 for their farewell world tour. Mm -hmm. So Billy mm -hmm. had his own, you know, end of an era thing going on. And it's not like they were fall like small. Oh, they were top. Right. Saying goodbye, leaving while the, he was on top. Uh, mm -hmm. There was, you know, the bass player Darcy had gone. I joined specifically as an honorable, honorable, honorary member of the band at, for their farewell tour. So I signed on to this epic world tour. We toured forever. We played like, oh my God, so many shows. And it was an honor, of course. Um, but I hadn't really thought about it because I was so in the moment of like, why was he ending the band? Like why? Like, so I hadn't thought about it, even though I was like a fan, but I was so caught up into the whole, like Billy is my weird mentor. He finds me. I finally get free from hole. And now I got to do this. So I hadn't really stepped out until cream magazine or what made watching me watch myself play. And Jay Leno yeah. at the end of the song says, Billy, so this is it. Like this is, and it was, and it was our final performance on television before we were going to go play our farewell show at his hometown gig in, uh, at the Metro in Chicago. And, and he said, why, why are you ending it? And Billy in his strange alien humor way said, comedy doesn't pay. Oh, wow. That is and, and I rewound. I was like, wait, did he just say, comedy doesn't pay it's like what an interesting humor this uh, it was such a strange and i found myself learning something new about billy just the other day because cream magazine made me watch it and then i was thinking about you guys that's it wow that is, wow and wow. ominous like very ominous yeah that and that all happened to tell you john you have to get a real job that's what he's trying to say. I'm not even kidding. I was like, <laughs> it, it, did he? Did he? Yeah, I was gonna say, did he see the future of me? Like, like God, I hope it's my mother present. doesn't see this episode. He's gonna be like, I was right. I told you, <laughs> do not follow your dreams. Billy Corgan was right. Yeah, um, no, that's, that's incredible. I, I want to thank you so much. This has been an absolute fucking blast. I've been psyched that you've been coming on for weeks. So I'm just, I'm happy you got to spend time with us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. pleasure. I hope to chat again. I feel like I have so many more questions. You've, I, 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 you got me. I'm going to buy the book. I want to read know it all. And then I want to hang out oh afterwards. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, later when it's finished, you'll reach out again. And then uh, good luck on all of your ventures and being sane and being true to yourselves and being at peace with the expanding universe that is going to crush us one day. <laughs> <laughs> what a great way to leave it. Thank you so, so much. Okay. Appreciate that. Thank okay. you so much. Peace. Bye. Bye-bye.